business she's going. May you please keep her safe. Please keep her healthy and strong and, and happy. And we pray for Ida. We thank you so much for 86 years of life and, and that she's gotten to spend so many of them um, in this area. And I just pray that you would bless her with a good day, a good week. I know, God, she's ready to come see you, uh, but you're not allowing that to happen yet. And so for that, we are grateful. But um, I just pray that you would make her time left on earth sweet and happy and enjoyable. And I just thank you for her and, and please just bless her in a special way. God, I pray for these other things in our bulletin. Uh, baby Liam, that you would please just be this little guy. He's fighting to, to stay alive and he needs to have kidneys and lungs and things like that develop and work uh, better in order to have him a chance to have a heart uh, transplant. transplant. And so I just pray that you'd help his body to be strong and healthy and, and so the doctors could have what they need in order to, to help this little guy to live. I'm to pray for Vernon Berkeley that you would continue to keep him around, help his body as he's fighting his cancer or this, this disease running through his body. And uh, for my mother-in-law uh, who has cancer also, and I just pray that you please uh, help her to have the desire to keep living and the perseverance, uh, the ability to get to the doctors and get those things taken care of. But I know there's lots of other things in our hearts and minds that we didn't share or that I didn't remember to pray about, and I just ask for you to please work in those as we need them as well. God has opened my mouth. Please give me your words to say in Jesus' name. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 18 to 28. And before, before you, I mean, you can turn that if you like, but before you do, I want to uh, let you know that I've been reading in an Old Testament book lately, the book of Hezekiah. And it's located Zephaniah, Haggai, Hezekiah, Zechariah, and Malachi. And as I've been reading, I've, I've come across some things that I have never heard before. And maybe you haven't heard these before. They just stood out to me like something else. And so I, I wrote, did you know? And I'm going to put these up here so that you guys can know what I know. Okay? Bear with me here. Okay. Did you know that the man who shares God's word is blessed with a better scripture? The guy who gets up here who preaches God's word has a better Bible. Now, I, I have duct tape on this Bible because... It says, I mean, your Bibles are inspired, but this says the extra inspired Word of God. Okay, so that's why I keep the duct tape on. I didn't want you to steal it. I don't want you to have access to what I do. But the man with, who preaches God's Word has a better Bible. Did you know that? Did you know that the man who shares God's Word is given special insight into God's Word? There are things that you guys can read in the Bible on your own, but you're never going to know fully unless the person who gets up here tells you. So whether that's me today, or whether that's Steve in a couple weeks, he's going to have a better Bible. It doesn't matter what version it is. He's going to be able to share things that you will never know from Scripture. And the third thing, did you know in Hezekiah 3.15, it says the man who shares God's word is of more value than a flock as a whole. That, that sounds pretty selfish, but the guy who gets up here and speaks God's word is more important than everybody combined. So you should all be sacrificing yourselves to make the person up here happy. Haven't you guys read that? Do you know why you guys haven't read that? Because it isn't true. It isn't real. There is not even a book in the Bible called Hezekiah. I hope that you knew that. But I hope that as you were listening to that, you're thinking, wait a second, what am I listening to? This is, what is Josh talking about? That doesn't sound right. Maybe you're getting the hairs on your neck are standing up thinking, we, this, this guy is, is lying to all of us. Who else is following this? We're ready to run Josh out of town 
But we'll let Leslie and those cute little boys stay. I hope that as you heard that, you didn't just swallow it, hook, line, and sinker, because I got up here and I said it. Now, to tell you the truth, my goal every week is to speak exactly the truth. Uh, part of that's why is I put the scriptures up there that you can see it. I'm never going to purposely try to lead you astray. But at times, people are going to lead you astray. And that's kind of the situation we find out in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 18 to 28. And we find that people infiltrated the church. They were false teachers, and they led other people astray. And why did they lead them astray? Why well, I have a sneaking suspicion is because they did not check it out. They, they believed whatever these people said, and they went with it wherever that led them to go. John, if he was here talking today, would say, don't take Josh's word for it. Check it out. Uh, and, and since I said all that and I lied in church about all the things Hezekiah said, I really do feel like I need to pray and not ask for forgiveness, but I'd like to ask uh, God's blessing on this message. God, I, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true and that it's accurate, God, and that you gave it to each one of us so that we could check out what it is saying and what it means and how to apply it to our lives, that we don't have to take somebody else's word for it, God, that we can see it for ourselves. Thank you, God, for your truth. And I just pray that I can speak it clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. So my Bible is its just an NIV. It's a 1984 NIV, and it's just as inspired as your Bible. Um, um, I do not know anything more special than you do. I have tools to help myself learn a lot of what I share. And I am not more valuable than anybody else. So in case you are just really not sure about that, now you can know for sure that you are just as valuable in God's eyes as I am. You have just as good of access to Scripture as I do. In that church that John is writing to, he's talking about two different kinds of people. He's talking about those who do not believe in Jesus, who are led astray, and those who do believe. And John kind of goes back and forth between the two. And I don't want to go back and forth. I just want to deal with all the people who don't believe. And then we're going to jump quickly to the people who do believe. And so the people who do not believe are anti-Christ. So 1 John chapter 2 Verse 18, it says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists has come. So John starts out by saying this is the last hour. Now back in the day when John said this, he wasn't talking about a clock. He wasn't saying in 60 minutes you better get your life right because Jesus is coming back. If that was what he meant, then he was a liar. He was a false teacher. He was an Antichrist. He was a going against what Jesus really meant or what Jesus really said. What the last hour means is that it's the time period before Jesus is going to come back. Now, if John wrote this about or over 1,800 years ago, that G this is the last hour, you know the clock, it just keeps ticking and keeps ticking. Well, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think is happening now? I mean, if there were 60 minutes left at that point, there's going to be only a few minutes left now. That, that time is just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And John is trying to awaken these people saying, look, the time is getting short. <clears throat> There's actually nothing that needs to take place before Jesus comes back. Jesus isn't held back by any prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before he actually shows up. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now suppose you go home tonight and you're sleeping and all of a sudden you hear some noises that aren't right and somebody's trying to creep up 
your window or they're trying to pick a lock to get into your door. They're, they're probably a dead man, I'm guessing, right? If you got a gun or you got a big knife or something. But you know what? You have a few minutes in order to do something about it, whether you get your gun out, whether you run and hide, whether you flip on the light. You have time to do something. But when Jesus comes back, it's going to be, you're not going to know when it's coming back. And by the time he shows up, it's too late to do anything about it. You're not going to have a few seconds or a few minutes to decide what side of the fence do I want to be on. It's a done deal at that point when Jesus comes back. And it's going to come back like that thief that came tonight that you didn't even know was going to show up. Now John, he's talking about the Antichrist. Uh, the first one, it says in verse 18, it says, As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. And so I, I did just a tiny, tiny little bit of research about this. I know we could spend a whole uh, message on this. If I was David Jeremiah, Dr. David Jeremiah, we would. Because he just is that smart, he just knows that much, and he can do it on one word. I'm not going to try to do that, but I do want to touch on it just a tiny bit. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to turn to this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Actually, verses 3 through 9. It says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come, meaning the day of the Lord, until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So you, you, you find right there a couple little truths about the Antichrist. That is, he is still coming. You know, potentially he could be on the earth walking around right now, and we don't know, but he hasn't done his job. He hasn't made himself known to the whole world, and the Antichrist is doomed to destruction. He is doomed to failure. He is going to lose. Uh, verse 4, it says, He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he himself, um, and sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The Antichrist is going to oppose God. That's what Antichrist means, is against Christ. And that's what he's going to do. And in, in the middle of the, the tribulation, he's going to set himself up and say, hey, look, worship me and serve me, and none of you should be there for that. Right? None of you should. If the pre-trib rapture is right, Jesus shows up like a thief in the night, and we are all out of here. But if somebody here is an Antichrist, not believing in Jesus, there's a potential that they may be stuck around when this comes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, uh, And in every sort of e evil that deceives those who are perishing, no, how about verse 9, I'm sorry, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. The Antichrist is going to come and he is going to deceive and he's going to trick people. He's going to do all these impressive miracles and all these kinds of things that it draws the crowds in and it gets people excited about what he's doing and what he's going to be able to accomplish. But he is going to be in line with Satan. Ultimately, he's going to be defeated. That's all you get about the Antichrist. There's lots of scriptures in there uh, in the Bible that you can look up if you want to know. But John didn't write to say, hey, I just want to tell you about one Antichrist. He's more concerned about the Antichrists, plural, that are running around that world today. It says in verse 18, even now, many antichrists have come. There were lots of people, uh, antichrists, running around that day. Now, it's not like, uh, some of them are like, what I, we watched the show, uh, Live PD, there was a guy who got arrested, and he's in handcuffs. And you can tell he's been smoking or drinking or something, and he's saying, you better let me go. Better let me go. And they're like, well, what's your name? Uh, my name is Jesus Christ. You better let me go. Thinking if you're Jesus Christ, 
You want to be in that position, and if you're Jesus Christ, you let yourself go. There are people back then who claim to be Jesus. There are people around the world today who claim to be Jesus. But the majority of people aren't claiming that they are actually Jesus Christ. But there are, the majority of people are people who are against Jesus. Whether they are uh, blatant about it or whether they, they're ignorant about it, the Antichrist is somebody who is against Jesus. And we're going to be looking today at three different characters or qualities of what the Antichrist looks like. Um, the first one is the Antichrist leaves... Uh-oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, yeah. Okay. Now, I did have the slide up. Uh, an antichrist is an opponent of Christ who seeks to put himself in the place of Christ. Whether he's the guy who says, I, Jesus, worship me, or somebody who says, I'm going to live my life and not worry about what Jesus thinks. They are both considered the antichrist. And if you look at this picture, there's a lot of people in there. And there are all colors and shapes and sizes and ages. And they all look like good people. Nobody looks like they got horns. They don't look like the devil. They don't look like they're out blatantly denying Jesus. But an Antichrist can come anywhere. All over the walks of this life, all over the whole world, there are people who are Antichrist. And an Antichrist is somebody who leads the church. Uh, verse 19, it says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, when John is saying this, he's not just saying, well, we had our own little church here, and those people that got, who left, they, they uh, were the Antichrist. They're, they're, they, they weren't really true believers, and so that's why they left. I mean, he's not talking about just their physical body of Christ, because John's church was no more important than our church is, than, than the, the E3 church. So it's not that it was that specific body of Christ that people left. It wasn't because they said, you know what? I'm in Plevna, and I, I don't like the pews. I don't like the color of the carpet. I don't like that music style. That preacher talks too fast. That preacher talks too long. I'm out of here. And so I'm going to go to a church in Baker or the E-Free Church. I'm going there. John isn't talking about just leaving and going to a different physical body of believers. Uh, he's not talking about the person who, um, who, who backslides at some point in his life and then later on returns. Because I think we probably all know people who have said, I believe in Jesus, and I was baptized, and I did X, Y, and Z for the Lord, but their life starts to wander. They start to say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. They don't really live like it. But at some point, they come back. John's not even talking about them, even though they're kind of, they are like an antichrist because they're living their life against the way God wants them to live. What John is talking about is somebody who, who, uh, who claims the faith for a while, but then leaves permanently for another God, another religion or belief system. They, they left it. They forsook it. They came out of it. Um, possibly they were a member of the church, but they were just playing the part. Uh, there's a quote in your bulletin from R.C. Sproul that says, True Christians can have a radical and seri serious falls, but never total and final falls from grace. If somebody is truly saved, they are never going to ultimately walk away from the faith. Now, we can, we can debate this all day if we want to. You know, when, when somebody dies and they don't seem like they're living for the Lord, what's the first thing people want to know? Oh, I remember at what point that person made this confession of faith. I remember when they were baptized and they shared the gospel, or they shared their testimony. And so we want to hang on to that and say, that person was truly saved. Someone else might say, you know what, they, they walked away from the faith and they never came back. And so were they really saved or not? 
I, you know what? It's not even for us to decide. It's really, it's for Jesus to decide. Um, 2 Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are His. So we can argue and debate all day long about who's really saved and who's not, but ultimately it is God who knows who's really saved. So, uh, an antichrist is somebody who, who, who leaves the faith that they once had for a while and said, I don't want it. A guy by the name of Joseph Smith, I think everybody recognizes that name. He was a guy who was a part of a church. I don't know what church it was, but he decided to leave his church. He said it was corrupt. And he said, an angel from heaven came down named Moroni, or Moroni and gave him two golden tablets. Go, start a new church. And he started the, the Mormon church, which in its teachings is very clearly against who Jesus is. It, Joseph Smith was an antichrist. He was against Christ. But you know what? You don't have to be, start a new religion to be an antichrist. Any one of us can choose to be an antichrist ourselves. Um, I knew a girl back in Davenport when I was growing up. She, she didn't come from a Christian home, which was pretty impressive for the things that she did. Um, she, was, she was part of Awana, and then she decided to be a helper at Awana, and she was part of youth leadership, which meant that she could work at camp, the camp that Noah was involved in. But that wasn't a camp that they just took anybody who wanted to come. You had to earn your way into that camp. You had to do things like you had to read your Bible during the week and keep record of it. You had to write a little bit about what you read in your Bible every day, or, or four or five times a week, something like that. You had to keep a prayer log. This is what I prayed for. These are some answers that God gave me. You had to go to church. You had to take sermon notes. Anybody here want to do that, to work at camp? These kids are crazy, and that's what Noah's doing. But this is what this girl had to do. And then she, she went to camp, and she washed dishes, and she cleaned toilets, and she, she helped little kids have fun at camp. And then something really sad and strange happened. She met a Muslim boy. And she thought, boy, this guy's cute. And she said, goodbye, whatever Christian faith this is, I'm going Muslim. And so was she really saved? I don't know. Um, is, she, is she going to come back to that? I don't know. I can tell you, though, that she didn't lose her salvation. She either has it or she doesn't. Those who leave the faith aren't losing their salvation. They're proving that they never had it in the first place. I'm hoping and praying that this girl named Candace will eventually come back to the Lord. I, I don't have any idea. But it can just be anybody who, who gets their eyes off the truth, who doesn't check out what they're hearing. Is it really true? God gave each of us a Bible. We have few Bibles. We all have dozens of Bibles at home, or you know, within a few at least, that we can read on a daily basis to see if what we are hearing is actually really true. And so that's the title of the message. Check it out. Check it out. See if it's really true. See if it's fake news. See if it's real news. Check it out to see if it's really true. So Antichrist, they leave the church. They leave the body of believers. Uh, uh, worldwide, there's bodies of believers and if, uh, uh, the body of Christ, and they say, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. The second thing, verse 22 and 23, Antichrists are liars. Now, they're not the kind of liars like you see here with Pinocchio, right? Everybody recognizes Pinocchio, and why did his nose grow? Because he lied, and it just kept growing. He's got a smile on his face. He's like, okay, well, this is really interesting, but he told lies. This isn't, the Antichrist doesn't just lie about anything. They lie, they, uh, they're the liar because they deny that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist denying the Father and the Son. Um. Uh, 
They, they deny, they, they don't accept, they reject, they refuse something offered to them. In this case, it's Jesus as the Savior of the world. Jesus says, he, whoever is not for me is against me. There is no in-between. You can't, uh, you can't, I mean, I feel bad for people who don't know about Jesus yet. Because they're not in the point where they're saying, blatantly, I don't want Jesus. But there is no middle ground. There's no gray area. You have black and you have white. You're on Jesus' side or you are not on Jesus' side. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of religions that will believe that Jesus was a lot of things. We talked about this in Sunday school for some reason. I don't know for sure how it came up, except for I know Taven brought it up. <laughs> I love Taven. He, he, I was telling his mom about how well he listens and interacts. He just, he just has a keen mind for this sort of thing. Uh, but we were talking about what do other religions believe in. Uh, some will believe that Jesus was a God. And there's lots of religions that are willing to do that. Or they'll believe that Jesus was a good teacher. Or that he was a prophet. Or he was just another man. But they are not believing that Jesus is God. And they are anti-Christ. They are against Christ. They are lying because they are not accepting Jesus. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. I know Awana kids are going to recognize this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That name, that word, Word, is a name for Jesus. And it says in 1.14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God in the flesh, come down to this earth. So you can't just say, yeah, I, I believe in God, because we talked about that too. What about people who say, I believe in God? Doesn't that mean they believe in Jesus? No. It doesn't. There are a lot of people around the whole world that say, I believe in God, and they'll, they'll stand up and be unashamed that I believe in God, but that is not the same thing as believing in Jesus. Because you can say, I believe in God, but have nothing with Jesus, and that doesn't jive. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the way who gives us the right relationship between us and God. So Jesus is the connection. He's the vital part. You can't have God without having Jesus there in between. So the Antichrist is the one who says, I don't believe in Jesus. He's denying uh, the relationship between God and the Father. So the Antichrist leaves the universal church. And that's going to be a temptation, especially you kids. When you get to college, you're going to have your brains infiltrated with all the worldviews. Don't believe everything you hear. When you go to another church, when, don't, don't believe everything that you hear. Run everything through, uh, what would I call this? Run everything through the filter of Scripture to see if what you're hearing, hearing is true. Just because a college professor says it doesn't mean anything. They're going to try to persuade you, go against your beliefs. Go against what the Bible says and go with what the world says. Don't be one of those people. And the Antichrist leads the universal church. The Antichrist lies about who Jesus is, and the Antichrist leads other people astray. And that's what John is writing to. He's writing to these people who says, they went out from us because they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. There were people who were leading, they got into the church, they started teaching, and they started teaching them something else. It doesn't say specifically what that was that they were teaching, who left or how many, but I think it has something to do with denying who Jesus was. And all those people, they said, here's the fishing hook. I'm going to swallow that hook, hook, line, and the whole sinker, and I'm going to go with that fishing rod because that's where they're telling me to go because they don't 
They're not checking. They're not recognizing what's really going on. <clears throat> Verse 24 says, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Um, let me back up here for a second to verse 26. Um, let me, I'm writing to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. They're trying to dis- seduce, to deceive, to, uh, to cause you stray from the right way. Now, a lot of those people, they, have, they don't look like the devil. They don't look like these wicked people that are trying to just drag you and pull you away. They look like the people that we saw in the picture. They look like honest, genuine people. You know, if I, if I came and applied for this church looking like the devil, you probably wouldn't have even given me a chance, right? But I came in looking like a normal person. Maybe I'm odd, but I came in looking like a normal person. And you said, okay, we're going to listen to what this guy says. That's what the, the deceivers, that's what the Antichrist are going to try to do is to be your friend. They're trying to make you feel comfortable, and they're trying to take you away and say, believe this, as opposed to what the Bible says. So you need to check it out. And why do people get deceived? Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it says they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They had the option, but they didn't want it. They chose something else as opposed to what God said. Here's another one. Here's a verse that I've, I've said lots of different times about Paul in Acts 17, 11. He's commending the Berean church because they checked out daily to see if what he said was really true. Uh, why were these people led astray? Why are people led astray around the world? Why was my, my friend Candace led astray to follow the Muslim faith? Because she didn't check to see if what she was hearing was really true. And if we are not careful, if we're not checking out with what we hear to be true, if we're not seeing it for ourselves, which I told Todd I was going to do kind of that intro, and I said I was, I was, I was going to look at him, because it's something we've discussed about making sure what I'm saying is really true. And like sometimes it doesn't make sense. And checking it out and following along in Scripture. Uh, and I know that takes a lot of work. And I know it's hard to do. But that's something that I commend Todd for doing. Because he doesn't just take it at face value. Even though, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't got up here and lied to you. Uh, and so, but people, if they are not checking it out, are the prime candidates to be led astray. So Antichrist, they leave the church, or the universal church. They lie about who Jesus is, and they lead other people astray. Please, don't do that. Don't be one of those people that's the Antichrist who turns his back on Christ, who, who turns his back on what you were raised in, but check out to see if what somebody's teaching you is really true. The next thing we have is those who believe. What about those who believe? It says that they will persevere. Uh, there's three different... Verses, I'm going to do one at a time here. Uh, the, the first reason they persevere is because, okay, so I was, I was supposed to, you know, sometimes it's hard to have slides I didn't remember. Um, this is why you don't, uh, this is how you do persevere. This is how you check. You, you're looking to check for yourselves if the scripture is really true. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. This book was meant to be part of your daily life to help you make decisions. Second uh, Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God. He says, you have the capability to do this. This isn't just the guy up there in front who's making, who thinks he has a special Bible. Everybody has access to God's Word. Make sure that you study it and you put it into practice so that you are accurately living out the Word of Truth. So true believers, uh, verse 20, 
It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing. It means what is rubbed on, anything that is smeared on, is usually prepared when they, like when David became king, or when a prophet or a priest was uh, given a special office, they would they put oil on them, and apparently they would rub that in. Like it's anointing, it's smeared on. And that was something that wasn't for everybody, right? It's just a few select people. Not everybody can be a king or a prophet, so only a few people got to experience this. But it was something that was you recognize happened in the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, it's not a physical smearing of some kind of goo all over us, thankfully. I don't want that. I don't even like lotion on my body. Uh, but it was something that was unseen, that was put on every believer. And it's likely referring to the Holy Spirit. Um, it was used of, of Jesus in Luke 4.18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is up upon me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus was anointed to go out there and preach to the poor people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. It says, Now it is God who makes both you and us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us and put his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It's one of the best verses there are to guarantee that you have your salvation. That anointing the Holy Spirit puts on you, He's not taking that back. It is going to stay there permanently, but that's the anointing that true believers have. If you are truly saved, you are going to have that anointing forever, for as long as you live. 86 years, 5 years, 110 years, whatever it takes, uh, when you get saved, you're going to have that special anointing that a believer has that a non-believer does not have. So true believers are anointed. It says also that true believers know the truth. Verses 20 and 21 and also 27. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Verse 27. It says, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. You have the truth inside of you. Now, I wish I could say that, or that meant that I got saved, I got this anointing from the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, I knew everything that was in here. Every question that some kid was going to ask me, we were trying to explain the Trinity in Sunday school today. I wish I had God's ability to use everything and make that crystal clear. Um, I wish the same thing for you. I wish that you didn't have to come to church. I wish you didn't have to listen to David Jeremiah on the radio. But that's not what God meant when he says you have the truth. He didn't mean that you're going to have every possible amount of knowledge as far as what the scripture was concerned. But he says you have the spirit in you who's going to help you recognize what is true. That's why at the very start I said, I sure hope you're getting angry. I sure hope those, you start to wonder, what is this that I'm hearing? Because if you had that, that's the Spirit telling you, wake up, there's something not right about what that Yahoo is saying. That's the Spirit of Truth. It, it helps you to recognize what is true or to question, even if you don't know exactly what's true, it helps you be alert to what is really going on. Uh, there's some verses it says in, that talk about how the Spirit is going to guide you on all truth. And John 16, verses 13 to 14, it says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. 
He's going to help you. He's, he's living inside of you. He's indwelling you. He wants you to do the right thing. He wants you to know that what to do as the right thing. So the, the best thing that you can do is to put all this truth that you can inside your brain. The Holy Spirit can bring that to memory when you need it and guide you in the right way. Otherwise, all he can really do is say, you know what, Josh, pay attention. This isn't right. Okay, Josh, this isn't right either. To help you recognize something isn't right about this. But he can guide you in the truth if you do this, if you study this, if you put it into practice, you put it into your brain. Contrast that with a person who's not really saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. He, he doesn't, when the Spirit's trying to tell you this isn't right, he's trying to explain something, he's trying to help you understand, the person without the Spirit says, what? I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness to them because they don't have the Spirit inside of them saying, look, Josh, this is what's really true. Look, Josh, this isn't supposed to make sense because this isn't accurate. The person with the Spirit has that extra tool inside of them to alert them when something is wrong. The person without the Spirit just swallows everything hook, line, and sinker. Okay, there's a book in the Bible called Hezekiah. Okay, uh... His Bible must be more inspired, and he really did cover it with duct tape. And he must really be able to tell me things that I can't see for myself. That's what the person without the Spirit does. Like, okay, you know what? It's, it's sunny. It's raining in Davenport right now. Okay. It's, this is what the Bible says. Okay. Doesn't care. Doesn't know. Doesn't check it out. They do not have the Spirit inside of them. So make sure that you read it. Make sure that you memorize it. Make sure that you are checking it out. True believers abide in Christ, verse 24. See, it says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. It might say abide, which means to remain, to continue, to dwell, to endure, not depart. You know, this, uh, this quote, it when I, where I found this, it didn't give anybody credit for it, so I don't know who said it, but it says, faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. That faith that does not endure, that does not last, wasn't real faith in the first place. Now, when you are dwelling in the Spirit, or, you know, when, you, when he says remain in the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, right? We've, we've talked about in 1 John 1, 9, confessing your sins. Both sides of that verse talk about how we are all sinners, and if anyone says he hasn't sinned, He's a liar. He's making God out to be a liar. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect if you are remaining in, in relationship or fellowship with the, the Father. It is meaning is that you are never going to permanently walk away from the Lord. If you're truly a child of His, He's not going to let you get to the point where you say, I never want anything to do with that again, and say, okay, there's something that's lost forever. He'll, he'll take you home from that point. You know, there's, there's times where I wonder about people who... Uh, Walked with the Lord for a long time. I mean, Noah's uh, favorite author, singer is a guy by the name of Toby Mac. He's always trying to get it as like a praise song. Or, and I don't think most people would like it. <laughs> um, I can handle a little bit of it. But his son uh, became, got into the music scene, and he ended up dying at the age of 21. He got involved in drugs, and, and he, he, he died. And I, I, I wonder, why did that happen? It, was, it could have just been, you know what? You take drugs, you, you do whatever he did, and you die. Or God could have said, you know what? 
whatever his name is. You're not living for the Lord. I see this isn't going to go well, and so I'm going to take you home now. Right? That could be the case for why Toby Mac's son died. But if you're going to remain in the Lord, you're never going to walk away from the Lord to the point of saying, I want nothing ever to do with that again. At that point, you really got to wonder if that person was really saved in the first place. So John's encouraging his listeners in verse 28. It says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Jesus is going to come back like that thief in the night. Are you going to be ready? You know, if you've ever been a, a kid who's, who is working for somebody or you're supposed to be cleaning your room and your, your mom and dad have left you there for a while and you come back and your room's no cleaner than it was, whoops, mom and dad are not happy, are they? Because I, I totally got my focus off of what I was supposed to be doing. Now I'm going to be ashamed that I did not listen. Or worse yet would be an employee working for a boss. You're supposed to be getting some project done, the boss is away, and all of a sudden he's, he checks up on you and you're now farther than when you started. How are you going to feel? Ashamed? Like I should be fired? Like I wish I could have five more minutes to do this? Remain in the Father. Remain in Jesus. Because when he's going to come, you don't want to be ashamed. Now hopefully that's going to be the rapture. Hopefully just any day now, it can happen. Hopefully any day now, Jesus is going to take us back with him. Uh, as a collectively as a group for eternity. But you don't want to be thinking, that's how I was living my life right before Jesus came. Or Jesus is going to come back a second time. You know, according to the pre-tribulation, pre-tribulation rapture, you have Jesus rapturing the church. And then you have Jesus coming back um, after the tribulation, seven, seven years after, to reign for a thousand years. In Revelation 1.7, a lot of people are not going to be excited about that. It says, oh, that's Revelation 2, 7. It says, look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. When Jesus comes back the second time, there are going to be a lot of unhappy people because they're going to see him coming. The first time is like this. The second time is like everybody's going to see him coming and people are going to be sad. They're going to be afraid. They're going to be ashamed because they did not take advantage of the time that they had to make things right with Jesus. Or, more likely, we're all going to take our turns to die at certain times. At times, we're not expecting to die. And we're going to be standing before God and we don't want to be ashamed of how we've lived our lives. So I just want to... If you know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to remain in the faith. But also, check it out. Everything that you are hearing, check it out to see if what you're hearing is really true. If you say, you know what, Josh? I'm not one of those people who really believes in Jesus. I'm going to give you the same charge. Check it out. Don't, just, don't take my word for it that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Check it out. What does Scripture say? Start with Romans 3.23 that says, All have sinned. Move to Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. And ultimately to Romans 10.9, that if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised me from the dead, I will be saved. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. That's why he gave you the scriptures, and he gave it for me. I just want to encourage you, whatever you're hearing, uh, David Jeremiah, I bet he would say the same thing. Paul said it. Check it out. See if what I'm saying is really true. I would encourage you. Whoever gets up here, whoever you're listening to on the radio, 
whatever devotional book you are reading, just because it's in print or a Moody Press published it or, or some other well-known source put their name on it, doesn't make it true. It should be true, and a Lord willing it will be, but see it for yourselves. Check it out and see that it's true. Uh, that's our challenge and our uh, charge for this week. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have blessed each of us with a Bible. You bless each of us with the opportunity to be in your house to worship you and to hear truths from your word. And that we, God, don't have to take my word for it or David Jeremiah's word for it or anybody else on the radio or TV or devotional that we're reading. God, that we can take your word for it. And so I just pray that you would please give us the ability to understand your word as we read it. Help it to be clear to us. I know, God, we are going to struggle to understand lots of it. But with your help, we can. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just go off like an alarm system if we're hearing or believing something that isn't true. Please help us, God, to, to check it out and to, to make sure that we, we know your truth and we're living by your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name.